All right, babe, let's take a moment to correct our posture, take a deep breath, and have some pure spectrum CBD. Sure. Hey, sisters, CBD can help with acne, inflammation, anxiety, sleep, and so many other PCOS symptoms. I personally take it throughout the day to help keep my stress hormones nice and low. Not to mention, I sleep like a baby every night and I don't wake up fatigued at all. Now open your mouth, please, so I can give you a serving. Ah. Uh... Now hold it for 60 seconds. Head over to PureSpectrumCBD.com and use the code VILSISTERHOOD, one word, for 10% off. Can I stop now? Nope, you got 30 more seconds. Did you hear about that sister who took Ovacetol and finally got her period after a year of not having one? Incredible. I see those kinds of messages on Instagram a lot. How does that even happen? Well, Ovacetol helps with healing insulin resistance, a common root issue that most PCOS sisters have. And by targeting insulin resistance, we're seeing sisters kick those crazy cravings, finally regulate their periods, ovulate, and improve their egg quality. Each packet of Ovacetol has a 40 to 1 ratio of myo-inositol and d chiroinositol This ratio is similar to the ratio that should be found in the body, but with women like like me who have PCOS, this ratio is often imbalanced. So taking Ovacetol can be super effective in treating insulin resistance starting from the root of the issue. So awesome. It tastes like nothing. So just warn me when you put it in a cup so I don't drink it. You got it, boo. Check out the link in the description to get 15% off your order. Doctor said you got PCOS. Now go on, girl, just lose some weight. Tonight took the symptoms into my own hands and reversed them naturally. So I became a dietitian to help my sisters feel the best they've ever felt. Take a step in my direction if you wanna prove them wrong and take control of yourself. Join a sister and a Welcome, everybody, to another episode of A Sister and Her Mister. Today, we have Alyssa Vitti with us. She is an expert in hormone health, author of In the Flow, and the creator of Flow Living. She's on a mission to teach every woman how to live in sync with her with their cycle by biohacking for female biology. She teaches women the importance of rewiring their nutrition and daily routines in order to sync it with their female biological clocks. Welcome, Alyssa. Yes, oh, welcome. it's it's so great to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. We're, we're uh, very lucky to have you here. And uh, Tallinn has been like, especially reading your book the last several weeks, and I've been reading it too. But uh, partly in reading it, we really like realize how um, specialized and how important it is to basically promote women's health and specific needs for women's health because a lot of uh, it's been shown like recently especially recently that the research into women's health is almost like uh, very dire it's not really improving and in fact it's only reducing so um, I guess based off of that like what led you to write this book was it to, like did you have a lot of motivation to basically spread some awareness for women's health well I mean I've been taking care of women's hormones for the past 20 years um, through my center and through the, the you know, Flow Living digital hormonal healthcare platform. Um, my first book, Woman Code, um, you know, really spoke to what do you do if you're suffering from a condition like PCOS um, or other hormonal problems and how do you 
in a step-by-step method, recalibrate your endocrine function. And then the other thing that happened was that there was so much more media coverage around menstruation and normalizing the conversation. So between all this, I thought, great, you know, we're going to start to see, you know, healthier women, you know, um, but I, I kept seeing more and more and more women coming to Flow Living. And I thought, what is really going on? So I start, started digging into some research and I was shocked to find that now we're at a place where almost 50% of women are struggling with a hormonal imbalance. Wow. And that's pretty outrageous when you think about, you know, how, when we compare that to the male cohort. And I started to ask myself, what, what is going on? What is mm-hmm. so different here that women are struggling so much more than men? And there were two things that I uncovered. The first is that women are being left out of medical fitness and nutrition research. And that's really important for us to know because it means that anytime you hear anything about, oh, I don't know, a diet trend or a fitness regime, you have to now understand and keep it in your own mind that that study was done on men typically Mm -hmm. and approximately only there's only 4% of study participants that tend to be women. So it's like a really low number. <laughs> um, and so if you're trying to apply it to yourself, it's not, the, the, it's not necessarily designed with your biology in mind because your biology has been excluded from the study, right? And we're making this really uh, unfair assumption, which is that women are simply smaller versions of men with slightly slower metabolism, uh, and, you know, a larger uh, ability to retain fat. So, you know, the studies on men show that if they eat this amount of calories and do this workout, they get this result. So for women, they should restrict calories compared mm. to what men are doing and work out more. And that's supposed to make up the difference. But, you know, as somebody who used to be over 200 pounds myself, I can tell you that um, that is not the way to lose weight <laughs> if you're struggling with a hormonal issue. So I was looking at that and then I said, gee, what is really the fundamental difference then between men and women? What, what is, what are we missing? What are we overlooking? Mm -hmm. And that's when I uh, uncovered the infradian biological rhythm, which um, women have from their first bleed to their last. And it is, you know, we all know about the circadian rhythm, but the infradian rhythm affects women uh, in a very specific way. And the problem is we're ignoring it. And we're, because we're ignoring it, we end up disrupting it. And it, it makes all of our hormone problems worse. It makes weight issues more difficult to deal with. It makes mood issues more problematic. It, it really uh, gums up the works when we don't know about it and when we don't take care of it properly. So I wanted to write the first book to unpack the infradian rhythm. And then of course, to share the best practices for supporting it. And so that's the method that I write about in the book that I created called the cycle syncing method, which I know we'll get into more as we go. Yeah. Yeah. We really love to uncover the infradian rhythm and get into uh, a lot more detail about it, as I'm sure some of our listeners uh, don't know everything about it. But one thing too, going back to the studies you mentioned is uh, learning about one of your resources in your resources that, you know, some of the studies done, they don't really incorporate women going through their reproductive stages, you right. know, like before they, uh, basically the studies done are you on, on women are usually women who are after, you know, post-menopausal. Yeah. So like research that shows that like 
for example, intermittent fasting is really beneficial for, you know, insulin resistance and a lot of these other uh, symptoms, it may actually uh, be the opposite for women who are maybe um, before postmenopause. And so when they try it, they see like opposite results. Yeah, I mean, you guys, I know have been following me. So, you know, I speak about that a lot. And the, I think it's so important for us to know that, again, the studies and the, the, the marketing and the conversations that are being had in the biohacking community, uh, you know, I don't think this is being done on purpose, but it definitely um, skews to the male perspective because all the research is being done on men. And frankly, most of the biohacking community is led by male yeah. um, experts. And so what's important to know is that, you know, in the case of intermittent fasting, as you brought up for women, in the reproductive years, it has the opposite effect of what the research shows for men, um, you know, worsening insulin resistance, um, you know, messing with thyroid function, um, suppressing ovulation, disrupting mood, you know, causing brain fog. So if you're someone who wants to protect her hormone balance, improve it, protect her fertility for the long term. These are not things that you should be doing. But the frustrating thing is it's being discussed in a way that doesn't give full disclosure about who this was being studied on. Mm -hmm. And it would be a very simple fix in journalism to say, oh, there's all this new research about intermittent fasting and the studies were done on men. So women, you know, we're the research, we still don't necessarily try this, you mm -hmm. know, because it may not have the same effect or at least then give more, if, if they don't do that, then give time to the stories where women, I mean, there have been, I'm sure you've seen on private Facebook communities, women who try keto and paleo, they mm -hmm. lose their period. And they're like, is anybody else going through this? We should be, that should be newsworthy equally. Mm -hmm. to, oh, paleo and keto are great. They're great for men sometimes, um, you know, but for women, we should really be opening up the discussion around a very bio biology specific form of self-care. And that's what the cycle thinking method does is it puts a woman's reproductive biology at the center of her, you know, there are three pillars to the cycle thinking method. There's the food piece, the fitness piece, and the time management piece so that you're really supporting that infradian rhythm mm -hmm. and uh, getting the most out of your body from a health point of view that's possible. Can we deep dive into some of those pieces, starting yeah. with the food piece? Yeah. Can you tell us more about how that plays a role in our infradian rhythm? Like what are some of the things we should look out for at different times of our cycle? So I love breaking down to what happens to our metabolism across the cycle so that we can understand why we need to change our food. So the thing that, that you want to start doing now that you've heard about this is Anytime you catch yourself trying to do the same thing every day, stop, check out where you are in your cycle and try to re regroup to what is needed for that. That you've been conditioned by, you know, all of this misinformation to, to strive to be the same every day, to eat the same calories every day, to do the same workout intensity every day, that that's the gold standard. Well, that's the gold standard for men because they operate on a 24 hour biological hormonal pattern, but you operate on a monthly hormonal pattern. So it is illogical and inappropriate for you to do the same routine every day. It does not fit 
your puzzle piece, but it does if you're a dude. And so that's okay. So we just need to be equal and different. And that is what we need. Yeah. So with our metabolism, for example, in the first half of the cycle, in the follicular and ovulatory phases, your metabolism is um, slightly slower and your resting cortisol levels are slightly lower, which means that you can and should eat fewer calories relative to what's normal for you, not some magical, perfect, ideal number, mm. and that you can and should do you know, intense cardio and high intensity interval training. The combination of what's happening metabolically with this infradian effect and eating and working out you know, with that cycle syncing method appropriate for those phases, is that you build lean muscle, you burn stored fat as fuel, um, you boost energy, and you feel really good. It's the ideal biohack at that, at that phase. Mm. But then once you cross over ovulation, it's a whole different ballpark. But the problem is we keep trying to do the same thing and then yeah. we just don't right. feel good. So after ovulation, the research is conclusive that you, your metabolism speeds up and resting cortisol levels are higher. So you have to eat 279 more calories per day. Otherwise you're gonna disrupt insulin, blood sugar, suppress progesterone production, increase PMS symptoms, increase binging, like it's not a good situation. The other thing that you need to do is really stay away from HIIT workouts. The research is also conclusive. If you do do a HIIT workout in the luteal phase, you're gonna turn on fat storage and turn on muscle wasting, mm. not ideal. Wow. So what you do instead is you eat slightly more calories from a slow burning carbohydrate point of view, healthy fats, you know, cooked veggies, and then you do strength training without a cardio component, right? And that's gonna give you all that lean muscle build. It's gonna help you use stored fat as fuel. You're going to feel great. You're going to have clear, you know, uh, focus, concentration, no brain fog, no mood swings, redu reduction in PMS, right? And so it's really important just at that highest level to understand that as this infrading effect takes place on your metabolism, which is just one of the systems it affects, because it also affects your brain, it affects your immune system, it affects your uh, stress response system, your reproductive system you need to change how you're taking care of yourself to match what is going on inside of your biology in real time. And yeah. that's the secret to the cycle syncing method, doing syncing up your self-care activities, food, fitness, and time management with each phase of your cycle. Wow. That's is, great. Yeah. Very interesting because we do tend to um, recommend like doing less intense, uh, less intense cardio workouts, more focused on strength training. But I mean, it sounds like it really depends on which cycle, where, uh, where in the cycle you are. So hundred percent, you want to yeah. go harder with cardio in the follicular and ovulatory phases. That's really going to get you huge results. Mm -hmm. Then you want to steer clear of it in the second half. Now, if you're someone with PCOS, because that is who you are speaking to specifically, mm -hmm. um, you have to be careful about how much you are pushing yourself. That's just not for PCOS. It also goes mm -hmm. for someone who's dealing with thyroid issues or adrenal fatigue. Don't go past 30 minutes of a workout mm -hmm. until you're more hormonally recovered because, you know, that's as much as your adrenals can take before they start dipping into their reserve and disrupting blood sugar. So you can do 30 minutes of cardio, whatever's, whatever is your edge 
is good. It doesn't have to be super intense. You don't have to go running for half an hour. Like that's not my jam, you know, but you know, you might want to do like a dance cardio workout or something really fun to get your heart pumping. And then in the luteal phase, you know, it's Pilates, it's lifting heavy weights. Um, and then I like in the menstrual phase to recommend flexibility conditioning um, to really just help give your body a complete cross training experience throughout the month um, so that you are like optimally fit without all this effort and strain and stress on your joints, on your, on your hormones, and you kind of get where you want to go with less effort. You know, we can work smarter as women when we know how our biology works as opposed to just working harder and getting frustrated. You know, I always joke about, there used to be this commercial, I'm sure you guys remember it. It was these two little cartoon characters. One was a boy, one was a girl. It was like, Jack and Jane, you know, are overweight. And they decide to go on a diet and fitness plan together. Mm -hmm. 30 days later, they, you know, Jack like pulls up his shirt. He has like a six pack. He looks like a little Greek God, you know? And Jane is like, you know, steaming out of her head. She's still fat and furious, right? As they say. And they're, well, like, they're like, and they did the same thing for 30 days. They're like, oh, poor Jane. We don't know why this happens with men and women, but she needs help. She needs, an, she needs a support, you know, she needs this, this medication that they were selling, right? <laughs> oh like, my that's, God. that's not what Jane needs. She needs to understand her infradian rhythm and stop doing the same workout as her heart husband, right? Because it's not ever going to get her the same results that it would get him. And I think that's the biggest thing that we have working against us as women. And it's not just affecting our fitness, and how we look and feel, but it's really affecting our hormones, our fertility, our sex drive, our moods. And it just doesn't have to once we understand what's really going on. Yeah. It just goes to show that we are our best doctors. Like we know how we feel um, on any given day and what we feel like doing, you know, not just forcing ourselves to do cardio every single day, or if you want to take a rest day, not feeling bad about it, because now women can understand what's happening with their cycle and sync it up to what they feel like doing. I personally find it so frustrating because some days I'm super creative. Some days I'm not super creative. I have energy to work out some days, some other days I'm like, I'd rather just rest. And it's, it's frustrating, but now it makes sense because it's part of the cycle. Well, I think we, there's a couple of things to unpack with that. And I love that you brought that up because <clears throat> First and foremost, you know, you have been conditioned like all of us as women to ignore our bodily cues, right? Meaning if your mm -hmm. body's giving you feedback around your hormones, right? You just either ignore it or you just get angry about it. Like, oh, yeah. you know, my period, my breakouts, like, oh, the, the curse of being a woman, there's nothing to do. I better find a new zit cream or a heating pad or, you know, th that's as far as you'll go, right? <sighs> So there's that. And mm -hmm. then because we don't understand our hormones and because we've been conditioned to, to, to believe that it's a bad story, right? These myth, this, this myth of the, of the period is your hormones are unpredictable, uh, problematic, will cause you lifelong suffering until you're postmenopausal. Um, you know, it's, it's whatever is wrong with your period. It's, you know, you're never going to get better and there's nothing to be done. So you're trained to be passive. And because there's no proper education about how your body works, 
whenever something does come up, like you said, you, you get frustrated. We have self-judgment and criticism about what our body's trying to communicate to us. And that's just due to a lack of understanding and education, which, you know, now we can kind of move past that with books like mine and, um, you know, with more education about this information. And what's so beautiful is oh, once sorry, you cut out, oh, sorry, can you repeat books like, and oh. then continue? <laughs> and now we can move past that with books like mine and with all the education that we have access to. It's really important that instead of sort of accepting this idea that, you know, you're not sure what's going on. You're not sure what phase of the cycle you're in. You want to really dive into that. You know, I built the MyFlow app so that women could know it's the only cycle syncing method app on the market. It's mm. uh, you can download it at myflowtracker.com. It's a circle icon, like the book, not the feather. We do not sell your data to any third parties. Um, and this is going to help you understand not only which phase of the cycle you're in, but it's going to tell you how to use the cycle syncing method in that phase with food, with fitness. So you don't have to memorize everything and you can be excited. It's a fun, it's like a fun project. Like, Oh, which, phase am I in now? And how can I plan ahead for the next phase? So I'm doing the things that feel really good to do at the right time. So you're never feeling confused or frustrated or symptomatic, which most importantly. I downloaded your app and I thought it was awesome. Like you can schedule like what you're going to eat based on where you are in your cycle, what will be best for you, you know, what workouts you schedule your workouts, you just plan your month. I mean, really, that's what we need to be doing in, you know, and, and again, guys are already doing this. They've been conditioned from a young age to understand their hormonal pattern and to synchronize with it. So, you know, just to touch on the male pattern for a second, you know, men make their testosterone while they sleep. So mm. they wake up with their peak testosterone and cortisol surge, which kind of, you know, stays fluctuates a bit, but you know, they have that until about two, three o'clock in the afternoon, then it starts to drop off. And then they're really in their menstrual phase, if you will, you know, at, around, you know, dinner to bedtime where they're just at their lowest hormone levels. They want to sort of be more, you know, alone, not socializing necessarily. And they want to get rest and start to, you know, build that testosterone for the next day. Mm. They know this and they've been taught from a young age to work with their bodies as a tool to optimize their lives. Right. So you know, to wake up super early because that's when you have access to all that testosterone um, and to do your workouts at the right time when you're having this peak testosterone and cortisol so you don't get injured, you can build, maximize lean muscle build, to eat the same calories throughout each day, but to front load your calories earlier in the day when your digestive fire is higher, when you're burnt, you're using more calories because you're working out. All of this is what they're doing to sync with their hormonal cycle. And they schedule even not just workouts and diet, but they schedule work and their productivity around when they have access to these hormonal ratios. And it works really, really well, right? We need to do the same thing, but we need to do it in a way that's based on our biology so that we can get equal fantastic results with our health, but also with whatever we're doing in our careers. Um, because if you're feeling tired and foggy and symptomatic, and trust me, as somebody who used to suffer with PCOS, I know exactly how bad it can get when your hormones are not working right. It, it, it uh, really took me out of the game every single day. 
not being able to sleep properly, being depressed, um, brain fog, fatigue, mood swings, low energy. It's like you're walking around with, you know, 10 pounds, 50 pound weights on your ankles and it's just, you're dragging through your day. Um, and that is happening to far too many women, whether they have PCOS or not, because they're disrupting their infrating rhythm and they're trying to live the success and productivity pattern that men have been doing for millennia, right? And even when you listen to success gurus, you know, who I love and respect, you know, it's like, get up early, yeah. do the same things at the same time every day, dial in mm -hmm. your same routine for fitness and calories and, you know, rinse and repeat every day. Again, that's only good if you are a dude. Yeah. And I think it's frustrating for us as women because we try so hard. We, we do not lack discipline or willpower. I have not met a woman who, when she's ready to commit to something, she gives it a thousand percent. Absolutely. And it's so disheartening because she tries the things that she's told will give her results, but they never do because they're not based on her at all. Yeah. And that is, that is sad. Yeah, and I totally know what you Now mean. we can stop doing it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a lot of like biohacking, a lot of, a lot of them led by, you know, uh, men in the industry. And it's a lot of like, wake up early in the morning, work out, and before you start your work. I personally, I can't even do any of that stuff. Like, I'm not into the working out before you um, work kind of a thing. I just can't get myself to do it. I like to work out in the evening. So even a lot of those biohacking stuff, I personally haven't been able to um, try myself, but I do know there's some benefits there for men. But I mean, speaking of that, what are some biohacking misconceptions that um, work generally for men, but you've seen the, uh, the opposite with women? We, I know we talked about intermittent fasting for a second earlier. Well, all the things we just talked about, like intermittent fasting, you know, waking up super early every day. I mean, you know, if we go back to those resting cortisol patterns, there's two things women need to know about themselves. So the female brain is... Um, more densely networked. And so as a result, your brain compared to men needs 20 minutes more sleep every night to go mm -hmm. through the self-cleaning process to be fresh and functional for the next day. So if you're in a relationship with a man and he's like, yeah, man, let's get up in the morning together and like, do this, <laughs> you know, do this with me, you know, but like a lot of guys are like that and they want their lady yeah. to like wake up with them and do a morning workout. You should be like, I love you, darling, but like my brain is needs 20 minutes extra sleep. And once I'm in my luteal phase, I really need a little extra sleep because if I wake up too early, I'm going to disrupt my blood sugar for the whole day and be a brain fog, cranky mess. And I yeah. don't want to do that to myself. So you do you and what works for you. And I'm going to do me and what works for me. And that's a conversation we need to be empowered to have as opposed to, as opposed to feeling peer pressure from that male biohacking conversation, um, which I think, you know, just doesn't help women that way. So there's that, there's like eating the same calories every day, you know, totally doesn't work if you're in your reproductive years, um, mm -hmm. like the doing the same fitness intensity every day of workouts. Um, those, you know, those are, but the, some of the biohacks that are universal are things that support circadian rhythm benefits, mm -hmm. right? So do wear your blue light blocking glasses, um, you know, do try to get to bed at a routine interval so that you're getting good quality rest. Those are good things for everyone, uh, tried and true. But other than that, I think our biohacking needs to be really specific. Even some of the extreme biohacking things like jumping into a bucket of ice, uh, <laughs> you know, <Who's> doing that? <laughs> people, oh, it's like a what? cryotherapy, yeah. um, you know, it's, it's, it's a form of cryotherapy. Yes, there's lots of benefits, but 
again, because women's um, heat patterns are different throughout the month, our metabolism, you know, there's, there needs to be some more research into when is this optimal for women to do? And when is it less optimal for them to do based on which phase of the cycle they're in? Because you know, I would recommend if you're going to do some sort of cryotherapy, do it during ovulation. It, you know, you have the most estrogen, you have the most, um, your temperature is the highest, so to speak during the month. Don't do it when you're menstruating. I mean, can you imagine putting yourself into a bucket of ice when you're on your period? It just doesn't make any logical sense. And it's also There's the time. no way. <laughs> but, but, but the, again, the conversation is being, it's, it's yeah. It's, it's, it's being discussed in a way that ignores, it's not inclusive of your cyclical reality. So it's like, oh yeah, cryotherapy is good anytime, all the time. No, it's not if you are in different phases of your cycle, but that's not being discussed. And so I think that's just, it just would take like a little bit of um, gender inclusivity mm -hmm. to expand these conversations, no matter who's talking about them. Um, so that we all feel included and we get the support that we actually need. Yeah, I think Tanya can really relate to that because I know in the morning she always says like, I wish I could sleep another 20, 30 minutes, but she it's feels so she feels guilty because I'm getting up and she wants to get up too. But honestly, now Tanya, you now the guilt has got to go away. You need that extra 20 minutes. You yeah. should absolutely get and you'll you will see immediately. Not only does that affect your cognitive performance throughout the day, but it's going to have a positive impact on your metabolism, which is going to hugely benefit your PCOS work. So yeah. don't, and you stop setting your alarm clock that's waking her up. <laughs> so, you know, setting <laughs> you, it need, up, like, you need to find a different way yeah. to wake up in a way that doesn't disturb each other. Yeah. I read in your book that ideally men sleep at 10 and wake up at five with like a yeah. rush of cortisol. Yeah. yeah do you want to join? I can't do that. I, I have to sleep at like 12, wake up at 7 8. That's like my normal schedule, but maybe well, it day. has to do with when you're having your dinner meal. So yeah. if, you oh, yeah. are, if you're waiting to have dinner till eight o'clock, then yeah. yeah, you're not getting to bed till midnight. But if you can have dinner between five and six, you'll be ready for bed at 10. So it's really just about working with your circadian patterns and timing mm -hmm. your meals and your workouts and moving it back a little bit because you're not necessarily uh, taking advantage of your hormonal biological rhythm by depriving yourself of that, you know, many REM cycle sleep patterns that you can get from 10 to five or 6 a.m. Um, and making all this, you know, this testosterone. I mean, keep in mind, men's testosterone production starts to dip after 25, which will impact your metabolism, your lean muscle, your libido and everything else, right? So you want to do everything you can to hack your testosterone production and a good, a good place to start is getting to bed at the right time. Wow. Okay. I'll definitely start doing some of that. I, <laughs> I, I felt some of the symptoms you're talking about. So I know. And we, you know, listen, I think it's like a holdover from like you move your kid and your parents are always telling you what time to go to bed. And then you like move out of their house and you're like, I'm yeah. never going to sleep. Like, I think there's a little bit yeah. of that as adults that we have to get over of, um, sleep hygiene being somehow tied to this childhood, like, you know, discipline of like, you have to go to bed when uh -huh. I say, yeah. but you know, if you come at it from a sort of, um, understanding your biology, then it's like, Oh no, I'm going to do this. Cause it's the thing that my body needs. You know, as I like, to, as I like to say to people, I don't eat broccoli cause it's good for me. I do it because it, it helps me flush estrogen or it's giving me some right. sort of benefit. Um, you know, saying something's good for you. It doesn't quite 
it's not quite motivating enough. I need a specific yeah, reason. I'm so with you. Yeah. I was something. like that as a kid too. It annoyed my mom. <laughs> but why? You can't make me do something without a clear explanation of what this is going to do for me. Um, I read in your book, oh, were you going to ask? No, go for it. I read in your book how you talked about Olympians applying this method. Oh, yeah. And being super successful after practicing and training with their infradian rhythm. Yeah. Not Olympians, although oh, maybe the, the U.S. women's soccer team. Did they go to the Olympics? Uh, I, I swear. There I are. Olympics. There are. I, I don't know enough Olympics. about the world of sports, but I do yeah. know that the U.S. women's soccer team uses yeah. the knowledge of the infradian rhythm to mm-hmm. help their female athletes train um, and and get their nutrition in optimal ways. Um, and this is, this is really just the future for women's, I mean, this, there is no other way, but this way, because you have a cyclical hormonal pattern, um, you have to take care of it. I should mention, if you're on birth control, if you're on synthetic birth control, um, you should be aware that you're not having a cycle. You don't have this infradian effect. Yes. Yeah. You you don't have ovulation. You don't have menstruation. If you do have any bleeding, it's just breakthrough bleeding. It's not a real period. And it's a hundred percent not fixing whatever is wrong with your hormones. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, just you know, there's a lot more about it in the book. Yeah. Um, on you know, things that you need to understand about birth control, but you should just know that and understand what it might be costing you to to take that path. I'm so glad you mentioned that because no one is told that when they're given birth control, they're convinced that it's, <coughs> sorry, they're convinced that it's going to cut, co- it's going to give them a period and everything's fine. No one, like I had no idea at the time there was some type of rhythm happening that I was going to miss out on because of the pill. I always oh, that rhythm important for my general health and bone health, heart health, all of these things, my psychological health. No, like I was not told anything about a rhythm. Mm -hmm. It was all about the breakthrough bleeding period. Yeah. And the birth control pill, just like nothing. That was it. There was no explanation. Yeah. Like nothing about nutrient depletion, nothing about, uh, you know, the snowballing effect of the hormones worsening over time while you're masking the issue. So many things happening. Yeah. I mean, I wrote a lot about that in my first book. I wrote more about it in this new book in the flow. I think you're right. We need to have um, more transparency, more education, more clear information for women when they're making critical healthcare decisions so that they are empowered to make the decision that feels best for them. I have nothing against birth control. I think it's great that women have access to it. Mm-hmm. I just want you to know every, pot- every potential thing that you need to know so that when you make your decision, it's the right one for your specific situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. And then uh, uh, going back to earlier, what we were talking about, can you tell us like some of the, uh, like, can, how to plan four morning routines based on the infradian rhythm for women with PCOS? Yeah. I mean, whether you have PCOS or, well, the, the thing with PCOS is that you may not have a regular cycle, right? Mm-hmm. You may, it, depending on where you are in your PCOS journey, you may not have gotten your ovulation restored in a rhythmic pattern. You may not be bleeding every 30 days, approximately, you know, maybe every two months, maybe longer. You, there's a variety of ways in which you could find yourself um, in relationship to your cycle. So 
what you need to know is not specifically the morning routines. When you have PCOS, how do you interact with your infradian rhythm as a sort of larger question? You need to first address the underlying causes of your PCOS, restore your cycle, and then you can begin using the cycle syncing method. So I would, in, I would definitely turn you on to my first book, Woman Code, because it takes you through that flow protocol that has helped, I don't know how many women at this point, tens of thousands of women to put their PCOS into remission naturally, and then to get their cycle back, right? Mm -hmm. And, and once you do that, then you can start to have fun with your infradian rhythm and start to use the cycle syncing method and really start to dial all of that in for yourself. Uh, but you don't want to jump to cycle the cycle syncing method, because if you don't have a regular cycle, you still have some cleanup work to do with your blood sugar, with your stress response and with your estrogen metabolism, which are the first three steps of the flow protocol. That's a great point. So what about women who have finally managed their periods and regulated them. Cause we have some followers out there that are doing great, you know, managing their blood sugar and getting their period under control. Given that, what are some actionable steps for them to take in the mornings or in daily routines for their four rhythms for their, yeah, rhythm? and I love when, I love when people interview me, at, you know, for media outlets and like, what's your, what's your ideal morning routine or what's your perfect yeah diet. What, what do we like, do? <laughs> I'm like, you're asking me the wrong question. It's not what it's when, right. Mm. And cause I don't just do one thing. Right. So when should yes, I, I wake up. What should I, you yeah. Know, what, what's the I perfect daily that? diet? I'm like, it depends on the day. <laughs> it depends on the phase of the cycle. So morning routines for me, and I think everybody has to customize this for themselves and what is pleasurable to them. But for morning routines for me in the first half of my cycle, um, I definitely more like up and at them earlier. And I like to do some movement um, after a light meal and then have like a more hearty breakfast and then kind of get into my work zone. Mm -hmm. In the second half of my cycle, I do not like morning movement. I'll do instead some meditation to kind of help focus my brain because in the second half of your cycle, uh, and keep in mind, your brain changes up to 25% over the course of the month. So you have really different superpowers cognitively each phase of the cycle. In the luteal phase, the second half, um, the, the introduction of progesterone into your um, brain chemistry makes you hyper-focused, calm, and really interested in getting things done. So I find that in those mornings, if I wake up and I do my like longer meditation, maybe just do a little light stretching just to wake up my spine. And then I kind of like get right into my projects for the day uh, and then break up my, you know, right after lunch, two, three o'clock, kind of end my work day and do a nice workout with strength training and then start to wind down, make dinner for my daughter, do that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Like that's a good routine. So it really is just about which phase I'm in mm -hmm. and trying to optimize my energy and use it when it's, you know, wh wherever it's best applied. Yeah. I love that. That's and great. I'm definitely going to try doing that from now on. So. Okay. okay. <laughs> uh, we're always looking at each other. Who should ask the I'm next question? <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, one thing I want to talk about too, is everybody thinks it's very normal to have, you know, symptoms of PMS, bloating, moodiness. Um especially like when men talk about it, like, like when men talk about women's hormones and things of this nature, it's, it's usually like a joke or usually like something that women, Not just men, men women joke about it too. Women are yeah. like, oh, don't yeah. talk to me this week. I'm PMSing. Like we joke about it as well, which is yeah. 
because it's, yeah. you know, biofeedback from your body saying something's wrong, you know? Yeah. But anyway, almost, continue. continue. No, it, it's <laughs> almost been like those symptoms have almost been normalized to the point where, like, oh, everybody gets it during their period. Oh, like right. your girlfriend, your wife will get these symptoms. Just don't, you know, just don't bother her, that kind of thing. And it's funny that like men, as you mentioned earlier, like men don't experience uh, close to what women um, experience with hormonal symptoms. And if they did, we think there would be a lot more research into it because for some reason, research is more designated uh, for men. But with that being said, what can uh, women do to basically not experience these symptoms as consistently and kind of biohack to, um, you know, uh, mitigate these symptoms slowly over time? I mean, so many things to talk about. First, you have to recognize that the mythology around your period is holding you back from taking action, right? So if you believe what you've been told in the cultural narrative, which is like, oh, PMS is normal, cramps are normal, your period is gonna be miserable and you'll never be able to fix it, then what, what are you gonna do? You're gonna take no action, you're gonna remain passive. But keep in mind that the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecologists back in 2015 decreed that your cycle is now to be considered your fifth vital sign. Wow. So the other four vital signs they take in the emergency room, your temperature, your blood pressure. When you know you have an elevated temperature, I mean, now, and especially in our post-pandemic world, right? When you know you have an elevated temperature, what, do you ha what have you been conditioned to do? You have been conditioned to take action right? Not to be like, oh, well, I guess there's nothing I can do. I'll just, you know, hang out with my fever. Like nobody says that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like get the, get the, you know, take the right things, hydrate, rest, you know, you know what to do. But when it comes to your period and your PMS symptoms, you just ignore them. So the first thing to do is to stop ignoring them, to take it seriously as a very important piece of biofeedback from your body, letting you know that something is wrong and to know that there are things that you can do short-term to help offset those symptoms. But the more important thing is to start using the cycle syncing method so that you do not have to have these symptoms whatsoever. Again, just by getting the calorie intake right in the luteal phase is gonna reduce PMS symptom burden dramatically because you're not disrupting insulin and you're not suppressing progesterone, right? So really dialing that in is key, um, but I mean, I, I, I just can't stress enough the, the idea that um, anything that is happening to you from cramps, like if you have cramps, you can just change the, the types of fats that you're eating and within mm -hmm. a month or two, your cramps will be gone, right? Yeah. Because cramps are thrive on omega-6 fats and, mm -hmm. and like cannot survive when you have an omega-3 rich diet, right? Mm -hmm. So change your fats, get rid of your cramps, right? You know, of course, if you have endometriosis or fibroids, there are other things that are at play. But for the vast majority of women without those, uh, you know, conditions, it's really easy to deal with cramps. Wow. Um, and, you know, PMS, depending on what you have, there are so many natural remedies that you can use to really help you troubleshoot in real time what's happening. But again, don't just rely on spot treatment, even with herbs, because you got to play the long game and the long game is supporting your infradian rhythm and using mm -hmm. the cycle syncing method. Yeah. I love that. That's great. So um, that's all the uh, questions we had, but before we go, could you just tell us about uh, again, one more time about your app um, as well as the, the, your two different books and how um, our fellow sisters can um, find more resources to reach you. Yeah. I mean, if anything's going on with your hormones, your period, come to flowliving.com. That's the whole universe that I've built to help you 
um, really address your hormonal problems naturally with the flow protocol. Um, you can also learn more about the supplements there just behind my shoulder here. We just launched um, last week. This is a brand new and pretty revolutionary, uh, the cycle syncing supplement kit, because in each of these four phases, we tend to have specific symptom patterns that mm -hmm. we don't need to have if we use the right strategic support. So you can check those out as well. Um, and the app is again at myflowtracker.com. It is a circle icon, not a feather. Uh, you can, if you're if you're super excited about the infradian rhythm, you can join all of us who are living an infradian life in a circadian world at thecyclesyncingmembership.com, and you'll get grocery lists, uh, recipes, uh, meal plans, workout videos, everything tailored to each phase of your cycle. And then you can follow us on Instagram at Flow Living or at Alisa.Beady. And you can buy my, both of my books, Woman Code and In the Flow, wherever books are sold right now online because nobody's going into a bookstore. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Love, I love that. that. We'll, put, we'll put all that information in the podcast uh, episode description. So listeners, if you want to head over there to, to find those resources, go ahead. And just to uh, also explain... Uh, if you're struggling with like, your period, uh, we believe Woman Code is a great book to go to. And if you want to um, go off of that and also improve infradian rhythm, um, In the Flow is also a, a great book, another great um, jump into improving yes. your health. I keep it by my bed and reach for it on the mornings that I feel like reading instead of getting up. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Thank and you so much for having me today. Oh, absolutely. It was our pleasure. Thank you. And we'd love to have you back again in the future. Um, and yeah. Would love that. Would love that. Talk to you soon, sisters. Alrighty. Talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, you have to come check out The Sisterhood. It's my monthly membership site where sisters just like you are learning how to move through the stages of PCOS. From stage one, cold and alone at the doctor's office, to stage five, nailing the PCOS lifestyle, gluten and dairy free. Get ready to finally feel in control of your body again.